Amen. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Let's begin with prayer. If you bow your head and close your, close your eyes. Father, we thank you. We honor you today. Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, we thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. I thank you for the journey, this, this path of life. I thank you, Father God, that you're guiding and directing your people today. I pray just as Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, that you would anoint everyone here with the anointing, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know the hope of your calling, that we may know the riches of your inheritance in the saints, that we may know the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. We thank you, Father, for your goodness today. Touch every person, I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power and the authority of the blood of Jesus in the name. Touch every person under the sound of my voice. For some, they've been praying and believing for a while. Others, they don't even know what this is all about. But touch every person under the sound of my voice. We take authority and we curse and bind the tactic of the enemy used against them. And I thank you, Father God. We, sit, we decree and speak into their life that they are free today. I decree and speak the word according to Isaiah 55, 11, it will not return void. I speak the word into their life that they are healed today. I speak into their mind that they have peace of mind today. I speak into their finances that they are blessed today. Father, I thank you that we don't have to wait 50 years, 100 years. We decree, declare according to your word. It is done by the cross of Calvary. We believe we receive it. Mark 11, 23, 24. We believe we receive it today. I speak marriages to be restored today. I speak children coming back home and reconnecting and relationships with these families today. Father, whatever that has been pressing on them as a burden, I decree, declare that that burden is removed, the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing from heaven, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here today, and we decree and declare the lordship of Jesus in this house. We praise you, Lord Jesus. You are greater. You are more powerful than any tactic of the enemy, and therefore we recognize you. We honor you. We celebrate you, Lord Jesus, and we honor your word, and we give you praise, and everyone shouted. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you would. Hallelujah. A verse we're going to start with comes out of Psalms 25. As you're turning there, if you don't have your Bible, you look to your phone, your iPad, or it'll be on the screen. They're getting ahead of me. Um, so we'll get to that in a few seconds. Years ago, I remember my wife and I and, and my family, we, we took our kids to Disney World. Yeah. I was at a conference with, uh, with a gentleman who's, he was just, had just retired from running the Orlando location. And in the conference, he says, you know, Disney, he goes, it, it is a magical place. He said, where else could you go that people from all over the world come and spend all their money and on the way out, thank you for letting them spend their money. He goes, it's a magical place. Some of you want to beat Mickey. I know you've been there. You're like, why did I do that? But, but I remember they had this option that you could pay extra after you paid the ticket to get in. 
and you could get access to go around the lines. It's like a fast pass. So you didn't have to wait in the regular line because there was another path to get you to that same ride or destination quicker. Say fast. God has a path for all of us. We've already talked about in this series, getting in alignment with God's assignment, that God has an assignment, a purpose, a destiny for all of us. Some of us find ourselves in the long line, but I'm telling you, there's another line today. I want to speak about that other line. I want to talk, I, you know what I mean? Israel, when they left Egypt to go to the promised land, it should have taken them days. It took them decades. Some of us have been on a decade path. And I know there's a patience in the process of faith in receiving inheritance. But even still, some of us have been on a long path. Come on, let me talk to somebody. You're like, man, when am I ever going to get there? And you might feel like, like, like Israel that you're on the decade path. And God's saying, listen, I've created another path. Hebrews 4 talks about this, that they couldn't enter in. Why? Because they didn't believe. They didn't receive because they couldn't believe. There is a place. And so God had to wait and walk them around, walk them around this whole process until the ones who couldn't believe died off. I don't want that for my life. When I pray, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait decades. I want to wait. I want to get in the process of days. If there's a path for days, I want to, I want on the fast path. Anybody with me? If God has a faster path for you, do you want it? Come on, somebody. If God, your Heavenly Father, has a faster path for you, do you want it? Now we'll jump in. Psalms 25 says, show me the right path. You know what that tells me just from there? That if there's a right path, then there's other paths. Some of us are just happy that we're moving on a path. It's somebody else's path. It looks like the path that somebody else took. I read a book and this person took this path. But Hebrews 12 tells us to run the race set before us. There is a right path. There's also a wrong path. And sometimes there's just other paths. Israel was on the decade path. But they could have been on the fast path. Show me the right path. One of the things I would encourage you to have, even in your prayers and your time with God, is, Lord, show me if there's a faster path to what you call me to do. If there's a faster path to see this prayer that I've been praying answered. If there's something, Lord, I've been praying for you to bless me, and it seems like it's taking longer. So if there's a faster path, I'm in. Just show me. That's what David was talking about in the Psalms. And again, challenge everything I say. Challenge everything. It should be a culture around here in your walk with God. Don't take anybody's word, not my word, anybody's word for anything. Challenge it with the word of God. And David even prayed in the Psalms. He, said, he goes, search me, O God. Why? Because David knew if there's the wrong stuff in his life, that wrong stuff could hold him back. Could be sin, but it's not all sin. Could be just stuff. When someone's running a marathon, what do they do? If they're good, they determine what they should wear based on the, not only its ability, but based on not just its looks, but its weight. The Bible tells us to lay aside all weights and sins that easily beset us and run the race. 
So this path that God wants us on, he's not telling us to go for a stroll. He's saying, I want you to run it. Paul says, when I run the race, when I fight the fight, I run it as to win it which means we have to take some stuff seriously. It's not being under condemnation. It's not getting into fear. It's, not, it, it's a matter of literally, it, we take the weight so many times that belongs to Jesus. Jesus said, my burden, my yoke are easy in their light. Am I talking to somebody? So the point is not trying to get overwhelmed saying, oh God, what am I needing to change? It's the reality of, Lord, you've made your, your path should be of a way of strength and energy. Show me. If there's something I need to do different, show me. God, I'll change anything you want to change, but I need you to show me. Says it right there. Show me. Shout show me. Come on, we're in Missouri. Isn't that the show me state? Show me, God. I'm not going to fret about it. I'm not going to try to dig deep and try to make up stuff. I'm not going to get 20 people's opinion or try to tell them what they think is wrong with me. No, no, no. I'm going to have my heart pure. I'm going to operate by peace, and I'm going to run this thing. And if there's a faster path, if you, I don't want to do the path that everybody's doing. Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. Narrow is the road that leads to righteousness, and few find it. Why? That means you got to find the path. And the way to find the path is not trying every path. It's, Lord, show me. Come on, somebody talk to me. Say, show me. Say, show me. Show me. Show me, God. Just show me the path. Oh, I'm on the right path. You might be on a good path, but is it the fastest path? I don't want to get to heaven and say, God, I, I, I believed and trusted you for 23 years. And God said, all it needed is 23 hours. But you were dragging some stuff around. Or you, you weren't open for me to do it differently. How many times have we prayed and expected God to answer our prayers the way we have seen God answer our prayers? Or we pray and our mind begins to plan out almost like God doesn't have ideas. It's almost we forget who we're praying to. Did he not say in his word that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts? Too many of us are hindering ourselves from receiving from God because we feel like we're bringing all the blocks that God needs to make the answer of your prayer come to you. Here you go, God. I'll give you an option. It's a multiple choice. You pick, God. Here's the three things I think you can do it. Here's how I think you're going to do it. Now let's see you do it. And God say, listen, you only have three. I have three trillion. I got things you haven't even thought about. For. I can do it. I can do it with stuff. I can do it when there's no stuff around. He has the ability. Are you listening? To me? Fix this mic. He has the ability to bring things around. And when there is nothing, he can bring out of nothing something. Don't you look at your something to determine if God is able. He can take a little boy's lunch. He can take a widow's oil. He can take when there is nothing around. God said, I am God and I am God alone. And there is nobody like me around me. Are you listening? Listen to me today. I'm talking to somebody. I can't talk to everybody, but somebody who came into this house today that's saying, wait a minute, I'm looking for a God idea. Some of us have been so exhausted doing good ideas, and we're so overwhelmed, but when the God idea shows up, we're like, I'm too tired. I've already tried something like that. Show me, oh God. Shout, show me. That tells me that David at the time didn't know. 
It's good to act like we know. It's good to appear that we know. But most of us realize in the reality of life, we're just guessing. We don't really know. We just want everybody to think that we know everything. Had a friend tell me once, you lie to your friends, I'll lie to mine, but let's not lie to each other. We get real with ourselves and say, God, I don't know how to get out of this. I got some ideas on how I can do it. I got some ideas the way you can do it. But God, at the end of the day, I got to throw my hands up and trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding, the Bible says. In all of my ways, acknowledge him for he will direct your path. What am I saying? He will direct your path. How does he direct your path? He says, I'll show you. Shout, show me. Come on, I'm going to get this in you. You walk out. What was church about? I don't know. about show me. I don't know. Shout, show me. The steps of the righteous are ordered to the Lord. How does he do that? Show me. Shout, show me. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. What is he telling? Say, show me. Some of us are jumping on every idea. We do everything that just comes to our emotional whim. We try everything we've seen somebody else do, and we haven't taken time out of the business of our lives to step back and say, wait a minute, I have to stop for a moment because I need to be with God because I need him to show me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, show me. me. Notice, show me the right path. I'm telling you, when you begin to pray, God, show me the right path, the devil will try to show up and show you the wrong path. Because the next path doesn't mean it's still the right path. Did you hear me? The next path after you pray that prayer doesn't mean it's from God. Because the next path, the devil can hear what you say too. He doesn't know everything, but he can hear what you say. And the moment you speak, begin to speak out loud, say, God, show me what to do. The next path, every path needs to be challenged by the Word of God. Show me, oh God, and some, God, I need a car. Show me. Someone will call and say, hey, I got a car I'm selling. You know anybody who's interested? It must be you, Jesus. You better check that car out before you buy that thing. Lord, I'm tired of being alone on Friday night and Saturday. I want a relationship. Show me the person you want me to marry. And you get a phone call. My cousin's coming in town. Would you like to go out with? It must be God. You better check him out before you date that. Because the next path might not be the God path. We need to learn how to identify the path that God has for us. I, you know, we all know the phrase of, you know, our past is 2020. We've all said, if I only knew then what I know now. But there is a place that God can bring all of us, and we're all growing. No one's perfect. But there is a place that we can walk in the presence of God, and the Word of God, and the will of God, where we can know before we take a step, before we sign the contract, before we say, I do, before we build that house, before we move to another city, before we go out and with those friends, before, before we begin to step, there's got to be, and God has a way to show you, that's, that will take you out of the good path, that will take you out of the God path, that's the wrong path. Sure, you can do it and make it to heaven, but it might add 20 years to your journey. We have defined so many times about we make decisions and we'll make decisions based on can I still get to heaven? Sure, you can get to heaven, but it might rob you the opportunity to be the blessing that God's called you to be. It might rob you of what God's called you to inherit. Well, I'm just tired of waiting. I'm going to do it my way. You better find and say, God, show me one more time. All right, let's try that again. One, two, three. Show me. 
Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Hallelujah. I mean, I've, I've been so straight with the Lord and said, all right, Holy Spirit, you have to make it super clear to me. There's times I said, all right, Lord, I need you to show me three times in a row. I need three. I need, I'm not going to do it, but I need to know. I want to make sure I don't mess this up. Make it super clear. Show me the path, O oh Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. Notice we, we talked already in quick review that one of the key things of following the path of God is it always is aligned with the word of God, which is truth. Com truth comes from the word of God. Truth comes from the word of God. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Never let a path show up and you follow it if it's out of alignment with the word of God. But I know it gets me closer to what God promised me. Yeah, but it's the wrong path. That's, the, that's what the devil did. Didn't he take Jesus up on a high mountain and said, see all the glories of these cities? I'll give them to you if you worship me. What was he saying? I'll make you in charge if you worship me and not God. What was he saying? I'm going to give you a byproduct. I'm going to give you an alternative option, a path that keeps you from having to deal with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, a path that keeps you from having to go through the cross and pay the price of sin. Join me and you can escape all that. Sometimes we are looking for the quickest. And again, we're talking about the fast path, but sometimes the devil will show up and say, I'll, I'll show you a quick way. Just lie about that person. Say that they did that and you'll get their job. Do this. I know it's not honest, but it'll help you get ahead. And the devil will entice people, Matthew 13 says, entice them to do something that's out of alignment with the word of God and he will say the ends justify the means and we'll think well at least I'm getting where God wants me to no no you might get where God you think God wants you but if you do it the devil's path you can't keep it the devil got you there and he'll steal it from you you do it God's way and the Bible says he who brought you is well able to keep you are you listening to me that's why God says I will give you power to get wealth and I'll add no sorrow to it it's one thing to be blessed it's one thing to be successful it's one thing to be victorious it's another to have those things and still be at peace because you know God did not leave you. You were with God. He's with you. He's got your back. He's defended you. He's your strong tower. He's your tower of strength. The righteous run into the tower of strength. What translation says, the righteous run into that tower and they are safe. They are protected. And so many people, they have everything the world can offer, but on the inside they're in turmoil. In the inside they're tormented. On the inside they're in fear. In the inside they're doing spending all their money to protect what they got because they know there's people out there hunting them. Who's hunting them is the demons they've made agreement with. But when you do it God's way, you know that God is giving you peace. He's giving you strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Are you listening to me? Jesus said, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives it, but I give it unto you. My peace. Jesus has his peace. And when you walk in the peace of God, listen, there is a tactic of the enemy that has created strife and confusion and fear in the minds of our generation and we have to be able to stand up and say listen enough is enough devil enough is enough let my children go let my family go let my neighbors go we can't sit back and let everybody you know it is not only a healing of your body the bible says he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities a bruising is the bleeding on the inside you can be physically sick and need a healing and god can heal you but there's a lot of people they are physically fine but emotionally in their 
soul, they are hurting, they are busted, they are broken, and they're going through life physically okay, but on the inside, they are broken. And I'm here to tell you that what Jesus did on Calvary not only will save you and cleanse your spirit person, he can not, not only heal you, for 1 Peter 2.24 says by his stripes you were healed, but I'm here to tell you he can also save your soul, heal your mind, deliver you, set you free, bring you back on a path that is strong, that is straight. He can make your feet so that you don't trip and stumble every time opposition comes. Why? Because you are strong. Shout, I am strong. You are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ephesians 3.16, be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And I don't know who you are, but I speak over your life right now. If you've been tormented by the enemy and you need a healing in your soul, be healed today. I break the power of the enemy off your mind and off your soul. Be healed today by the power of God right where you're at, in the building, outside the building, in the hallway, in the coffee house. Be healed now in the name of Jesus. We have let the enemy do what he wants to dance to his tune. But God is looking in these last days for a generation to rise up and say, it is, it is enough. Stop it. Get out. Not just in your life, but in your home. Not just in your home, but in your school or your work or your family or your friends. You are the light of the world, child of God. You have great destiny. You have great potential. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. You have the mind of Christ. Isaiah says he gives you great peace and undisturbed composure. Hallelujah. See, I cannot be disturbed. Hallelujah. Things come nipping at your feet. Say, get out. Get away. You're not bothering me today. Psalms 25. Are you getting anything from this today? Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth. Teach me, for you are the... The God who saves all day long, I will put my hope in you. I will put my hope in you. I want the fast path. Say the fast path. Oh God, if there's a quicker path, show me. Show me. Show me the right path. Show me the quicker path. Romans 9, 28 says that in the last days, God will do a quick work. That means he has the ability to speed things up. He has the ability to speed up the process. He has the ability to speed up the process. One day Jesus is walking and said to the disciples who they understood, they were an agricultural community. And he said, don't say later it's going to be time for the harvest. But I tell you to look up now for the harvest is ready. He was using a physical illustration to dictate or teach a spiritual principle. What was he telling them? Don't let the planning of the past dictate your direction. Because you might think, oh, it's not time. It might not be time. Oh, it's not time. God says, that's your planning. Look up because I'm doing something different. Say, God's doing something different. It might have taken three years, but now it's going to take three months. It might take a year in the past, but now it's going to take two days. God is doing something. He's moving us in. He is moving the world, the church world, into what I believe is called the, the season of quickly. 
He's going to do a quick work. He's going to do a quick work. When Jesus went to get food, figs from that fig tree, he was hungry, the Bible says, and he saw the leaves on the fig tree from afar off, and he approached it. And when he approached it, there was no figs. What we have to understand under that system is that when you saw the leaves, then the, the figs would come, then the leaves. So if you see the leaves, there should be figs. Peter said he cursed it. He actually didn't curse it. That's a bad translation. What Jesus did is he canceled the assignment. He said, no man will eat from you ever again. That was the assignment of the fig tree. You're here to grow. You're here to produce so that man or people can eat from you. And when the creator shows up, come on, somebody. For he created, John, the Bible tells us he created all things, and all things were created by him and for him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So when the creator shows up, he was making a demand on something because it was demonstrating, I have some figs. Its leaves was demonstrating, I have some figs. But when Jesus showed up, there was no figs. And Jesus said, your assignment's been canceled. I think that happens in the lives of people. We have, we have learned in our day and age how to be professional marketing without even an education. Through our social, we have learned the contest or the context of branding and, and messaging and how to put the best face, foot, forward all of it we put it we put it out there we keep it out there we are learning how to be professional marketing people and what has happened is we have generations of people that know how to talk the talk but not walk the walk and they are shouting and saying stuff in the church world that they have no power they say we have power they say god is here they say it's a great thing and you get there and there's no water to drink there's no food to eat there's no anointing there's no power there's no blessing there's no healing there's no deliverance and god is showing up in these last days and he He's going to go through his churches, and he's going to look and say, I have told you. I am showing up. I want to see what you have. You've been telling. You've been promoting. You've been presenting that you are a church connected to me, but you are not my body because there is no life, and God's going to begin to shut some stuff down, and I'm not saying that because it's in my notes. I'm saying it's in my heart. You better be nervous if you're out there watching me online and saying, oh, we're just doing it the business way. Praise God for business structure and organization. That's important. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business but we are more than an organization we are a living organism we are connected we are the body of Christ we must have life because there's people that you are coming I'm not talking about the walls of this building I'm not talking about a bit on a Sunday I'm talking to Jesus said you are the light of the earth not because you feel it emotionally not because you've seen it historically but because God said it you must be available Lord who you send in my path I'll be available for for you to use. Come on, somebody. Because he is the one that heals people, delivers people. If you believe that, take the next 30 seconds and give him a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 How do we find that right path? Let me give you three ingredients. I can't tell you every, every person in their journey can be uniquely different but the principles of the word of God always work. The principles of the word of God. Let me give you three principles to find the fastest path. It comes out of Revelation 3. Before we go there, let me, let me just give you another story that comes out of the word of God. 1 Samuel 3. We're not going to throw it up on the screen. Let me tell you, it's about Samuel. The prophet Samuel. I love how the Bible 
will explain and tell stories, the good, the bad, and indifferent. Samuel's mom could not get pregnant. She prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally, she finally got pregnant, answered a prayer. She was so moved and knew it was such a miracle that she said, all right, I'm going to, once I've had this baby, I'm going to take my child and I'm going to let him live in the temple of God. Samuel grew up in the house of God. Some of you have grown up in church, not like you've lived here, but you've grown up coming to church. Some of you are, hey, this is the first time I've ever been in a church. Some of you, hey, I've been saved for a short period of time. And it's easy to be impressed with people who've been around the church a long time. And that's a good thing. But it's even better to be impressed with people who have a desire more than a duration for God. Because some, some people, they, they've been in church their whole lives. And they think, and the danger is they think they've gotten God figured out. Oh, I've been around long enough. I know what's going to happen. And they stop God from leading them in the path that he wants to lead them. Because they've grown up around it long enough that they think they've figured it out. And I don't want to offend anybody, but none of us are smart enough to figure God totally out. His ways are higher than our ways. Can I get an amen? And Samuel grew up in the house of God, the temple. And one night, and he ministered or worked, and one night as he was sleeping, he was a young boy, he heard a voice that said, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel was awakened by the voice and thought it was his boss, who was the high priest, Eli. And he went over to Eli and woke him up and said, do you want me? And he said, Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. All right, this is Greg Bruce translation. Search it out in your own translation if you want. So Samuel went back to bed. Shortly after he, he heard the voice again, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up and took off running to Eli and said, did you call me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Why are you waking me up? I remember on a side note when my daughter, who's now 18, but when she was like three years old and it was Christmas Eve and we got her to bed and she was so excited and I was totally asleep and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, I feel someone tapping me. And I, I was sleeping on my side, and she was tapping me. I opened my eyes, and there's her face right there. <laughs> I don't know how Samuel woke up Eli, but that'd be cool if that's how it happened. So Eli began to have some discernment. He said, wait a minute. And he said to Samuel, Samuel, next time, go back to bed, and the next time you hear that voice, I want you to respond this way. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel did the th right thing. He went back to bed, and sure enough, the voice showed up again, Samuel, Samuel. And this time, instead of getting up and running to Eli, he began to speak back, and he said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And then God began to give him revelation and instruction and direction. A cool thing about that context, if you look at it, you'll see that there's some very important ingredients in that. Now let's get into the earlier verse. Revelation chapter 3. Jesus says, and he's talking to the church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Three ingredients if you're taking notes. Number one, recognize. Say recognize. Samuel 
didn't go any farther in his experience with God until he was able to recognize the difference between Eli and God. It was obvious Samuel was hearing something because it woke him up. Why did God not just continue to speak to him? Samuel, Samuel, this is the Lord. Here's what's going to happen. It didn't happen that way. He began to knock on the door. Some of us want God to back up the truck and unload everything. Beep, beep, beep. As we sit there watching all the favorite TV shows, and I'm not against you watching TV, but we don't want to do anything. We just want God to force feed us everything, and then that's what we have. That's what God wants us to. But there's literally a pause. We did a whole message about this, a whole series one time. There's literally a pause in the walk with God because God will knock on the door, but he never kicks the door in. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice, didn't say hear or knock. We teach kids, listen, if someone's knocking on the door, don't open it until you ask. Because you don't want to open the door of your house to anybody. Church, you don't want to open the door of your life to anyone. Oh, it's okay. It's October. You know, I like going to these scary movies. And they open their door to demonic activities of fear, and they can't figure out why there's no peace in their house, and they have this uneasy feeling at certain times, or they get in the anointing of God and something don't feel right because you opened the door to the wrong thing. Oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to hang with my friends. They're going to be all drinking and clubbing. I'm just going to hang out with them and kind of make sure they don't get too wild. And you open the door to demonic activity just because something is knocking doesn't mean you need to open it. You must first recognize the voice of the knocker. Who's knocking? Samuel didn't go any farther with his encounter with God until he recognized who was speaking. Say, recognize. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice, recognizes my How do you recognize someone? You spend time with them. Have you, haven't you ever been in a room, maybe a lot of people, and all of a sudden you heard someone laugh and you recognized the laugh? You, didn't, you weren't looking for them. You didn't know they were there, but you heard their laugh. You're like. You re- why? Because you're around them enough to recognize them. Recognition doesn't come just by visiting Recognition comes from experiencing an ongoing relationship. John 14, 17, real quick. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take it, take to its heart. Because it does not see the Holy Spirit, nor or know him, nor recognize him. We must recognize the presence of God. We must recognize. And listen, hear me, hear me in the balance of this. Everything's got to keep in balance. So I don't want you to misunderstand. The danger that's happened in the church world is we've become so good at 
doing church that we've lost the essence of being the church. Stay with me. Praise God for leadership. Great. Praise God for computer systems. Praise God for structure. These are all important. Praise God for moving heads and lights. and smoke. We have all that. That's important. But the more we have of that, the deeper we have to go with him. Because the natural tendency is to back up and say, we have a good show. And a lot of church people will leave churches that have a good show and say, boy, that was great. Woo, that was exciting. And they're moved by the level of emotion. But there is no anointing. There is no presence. But they wouldn't know that because they don't spend time in God's presence. That's why it's important to pray. It's important to spend time in the Word. To feed your spirit. Encourage yourself. Develop this inner person. But it allows you to recognize Him. Because we can get caught up in the emotional show of an event and think, wow, I got goosebumps. Listen, I've been in a movie and got goosebumps and it wasn't God at all. Some of you have been in a secular concert and you got goosebumps. You were moved emotionally. Emotions can mimic, but it cannot demonstrate. Say recognize. What are we doing? We're trying. I want God to show me the path. So I need to recognize his voice. I need to recognize his presence. Revelation 3 again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, recognizes it, and opens the door. That means a response. Samuel had to respond to take the next step. It was God saying, I'm putting a pause. When you get the response correct, then I can come in. When you open up. When you open the right door. When you open up. When you respond. When you respond. When you respond. When you respond. Samuel, you have to learn to respond. You keep doing this trip to Eli, all you're doing is keeping that old man from sleeping. He needs to sleep. You're not getting anywhere. You're just in motion. A lot of us, a lot of church people, they're in motion. Nobody here, but we're talking to a lot of people online. There's church people that they're, they are moving, but they are going back and forth, back and forth. And God's saying, I, praise God for that man of God or that woman of God in your life. But right now, I want to have a me and you moment. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we have made men and women of God in their ministry as a crutch for us to not go to God. Israel said, we don't want to go to the mountain. God said, Moses, bring my people to me. Now's the time. And he went down and they said, no, we've seen all that stuff. We don't want that stuff. You go and then tell us. And the, the, it does not work that way if you're going to live in victory with God. God has no stepchildren. He has no grandchildren. He only has children. And it's a you and God, you and Jesus encounter. It's not because you know some who knows God and they can tell you praise God for that but God's saying Samuel I'm bringing you into this thing and it's not you me and Eli it's you and me and I need you to know and recognize my voice and I need you to respond accordingly how did Samuel respond in the instruction it was speak Lord for your servant heareth that doesn't mean much to us, but in that culture, what was he saying? He was saying, I recognize who you are. You are Lord. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Stay with me. I recognize who you are. I recognize 
Now again, we, we teach around here, don't be looking for voices. You have to grow in this because if you don't obey the written word of God, you'll never obey the spoken word of God. And the devil will try to appear, the Bible says, as an angel of light and get you to do stuff, act certain ways that's not in alignment with God's word. So let's back that train up. He had to learn to value the voice of God. How do you value the voice of God? Value the word of God. This is the supreme authority in my life. That's what you have to, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is, this Bible is not a historical book. It's not a story book. It's not an informational book. This is the word of life. Peter said to Jesus, Jesus said, are you all going to leave too? And he said, where else can we go to get, you're the one that has the words of eternal life. Too many of us, we know mentally about this book. We can talk about the history of this book. We can talk about the number of chapters and verses in the book. We're so proud that we know the middle verse in the book. We know who wrote the book. We know the timelines of the book. We know what was the first book and what was the first written book. We are so proud about the information, but we don't know the book because the book is a person. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word are you listening at verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us there is life in this the devil will tell you don't read it it's not important well you don't have to read the begets get in the gospel of john get into the epistle begin to read it the devil say it's not going to do anything the reason he's telling you it's not going to do anything is because it does something jesus said my words they are spirit and they are life it's the light he is the light and when you're in the light darkness does not like it the devil's darkness and he does not like it of course he's going to tell you oh you got better things to do you don't like to read anyway you don't need that word you just go to church from time and time and you just do your best god understands the your intent of your heart and all the while you and your family's getting your teeth knocked out by the enemy you got to rise up and say wait a minute there is something about this word it's the sword of the spirit and when i'm pulling it out it's got a point it's got a blade and i'm going to use it to defeat the enemy out of my life i'm going to take that word because it gives me faith he romans 10 tells us and i'm going to use that faith to the Bible says to quench the fiery darts I'm going to decree a thing it shall be established what are you doing you're getting hold of the word how important is this word well pastor I'm sorry I'm sorry I, I, I just don't I, it, it doesn't feel important to me that's okay you know what you need to do are you ready Jesus said you have not because you ask not this is a season, this will happen to all of us, even me from time to time. And I'll get back and say, Lord, restore the hunger of your word. Give me that value back. It. David said it this way, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. In the journey of life, it doesn't mean that you don't have challenges. You've got to get back and say, I recognize that I haven't been in this word like I needed to. I recognize that it's become a tool of the trade. For preachers, the Bible can become a tool of the trade. I learned from my dad many years ago, don't read the Bible looking for a sermon. Read the Bible looking for direction in life. And in that journey, the Holy Spirit will show you what to preach on. I don't look trying to create a good message. Most of my notes of my messages don't even get preached, but that's okay. I read, I love the Word. I love the Word. Not because I, I, I forced it. It's because I asked for it. Oh God, give me a hunger for your Word. 
David had a hunger for God's presence and a hunger for his word. We have to respond. How did he respond? Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. You know what that is? That is a prayer. Are you listening to me? That is a prayer of submission. We don't like that. Now here, it's been abused in the church world. I get that. This is not prayer of submission to people. Because people mess things up. This is prayer and submission to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you show me what to do. Mary said it this way, be it unto me according to your Word. She got direction. Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And God began to speak. Why? Because it's the attitude of submission. Are you with me? I know we're going a little longer, but you're okay. Some of us, you watch football for three hours and you're like, oh man, that was so awesome. I'm not preaching for three hours. Give me some attitude, I might preach for four. Lock the doors, lock the doors. I'm joking. If there's a fire marshal in the, in the house, he just went, hmm? <laughs> Samuel says, speak, Lord. Jesus told him in Revelation 3, open the door. Mary said, be it unto me. We need to not only recognize, we need to respond correctly. Come on now. What do we typically do? And I'm not saying, right, hear me. And God can use people to speak into your life. Don't misunderstand me. He does. But anytime that happens, it will be two things. I'm just teaching here. Please listen to me. It will always, always be in line with the Word of God. Are you ready for the next one? Come on, lean in a little bit like you really want to know this. Because this, this, this will save you years. This will take years of the wrong path. Some of us are still cleaning up messes that we were on the path before. We're out of it, but we're still dealing with some mess. It will always be in line with the word of God. If someone comes and says, the Lord told me to tell you, here's a word from the Lord, thus saith the Lord, whatever way they want to introduce it. Had one lady show up, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord, listen to me. We're like, we don't know you, get out of here. That's a discerning of spirits, it's a whole other level. We'll talk about that at a different time. It will always be in line with the word of God, and it will always be a confirmation of what the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you personally on. You hear that? I'm not, we're not building a church of fools and, and gimmicks and games and manipulating people. I, I, I want you to grow in the things of God. That when any time you have a great opportunity or a challenge by the enemy, you don't need to, and you're welcome to call for prayer, but you get to a place of like, I know what to do. This is not of God. I don't need to fast and pray three days for that. I'm going to eat. Because I know it didn't line up with the Word of God or wasn't a confirmation to what the Holy Spirit already told me. What do I do? I just say, God bless you, and I put it on the back burner and not worry about it. You don't need to. Well, I don't want to miss God. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit knows your heart. And if you do it right, follow Him. Lord, you speak to me. You show me. Well, he, he knew that I wouldn't be able to hear Him, so He's going to send. Well, if you knew you couldn't hear, then you're not in a position to hear. And if you're not in a position to hear, you're not in a position to receive someone telling that they heard. Wow, how many of us have done stuff, made decisions based on someone that was anointed, and maybe they weren't anointed, maybe they just messed it up that time. I had a guy show up years ago, and I've shared this story. 
at the other location many, many years ago. And I heard, I heard it from the distance. And he said to somebody, who's the pastor? And so we got a rule around here. If somebody ever comes to you and says, who's the pastor, do not point to me. And someone pointed to me, and they, the guy came up and said, are you the pastor? I said, yeah. And he said, I'm prophet so-and-so. Anytime someone has to identify themselves with all their titles and accolades, that's your first red flag. I'm just telling you. Do what you want with it. He said, I'm prophet so-and-so, and the Lord gave me a message for your people, and I just want to know if I have your permission to take the platform and preach it. And I, it was so quick. But it didn't come out of my head. It came out of my spirit. I said, well, you know what? I don't know you from Adam, and the Holy Spirit didn't tell me you're coming, so you're not going to get near the platform, but we are so glad and thankful that you came today. His eyes got real big, turned around, walked out, left. We can't play that game, especially in these last days as we're getting closer and closer. Now, you might think I'm just lingering this. I've seen people get married to someone they didn't even like or love or even know because they came up and said, God told me you're supposed to marry me. Okay. What do you mean okay? You look at them saying, you're a fool. Get away from me. I'm marrying you. I don't know you and you're ugly. Marrying you? We get this where we love people. doesn't mean you have to be nice to everybody. I mean, sometimes you just got to tell somebody, are you kidding me? You're a demon from hell trying to deter my life and my destiny and my ministry. People go to Bible school to find out direction and destiny, and someone in Bible school is just looking for someone to marry. God told me you're the one. You know, look at, you're like, oh, we got to be nice to people. You got to look at them sometimes as that's a demon speaking through them trying to sidetrack you. Your destiny is more important than you get everybody to like you. Come on. Behold, thank you for the three claps. The rest of you, you're struggling with just having everybody follow and like you. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, say, recognize. Samuel had to recognize the voice before anything else. He was on a pause until he recognized. Open the door, which means respond, shout respond. But Sam, you had to say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. He's saying, go ahead and say it, and the moment you say it, I'm going to do it. I'm giving you a yes before you give me the instruction. It's not, God, tell me what you think, and I'll debate about it, and I'll see if it's convenient with my schedule. It's, God, I'm going to serve you. What if God asks you to do something weird? He's not going to ask you to do something destructive or weird. Weird people ask you to do weird stuff. And I will come into him, and, and we'll sup with him, and he with me. Last but not least, receive. That's the success. We got to submit. We want God's success, but we want to do it our way with God added to it. Boy, that happens in church world a lot. God, here's my plans. Here's my agenda. Here's my 10-year agenda. Now bless it, Lord. What if you back up and say, Lord, we're moving in the new year. I'm going to pray and fast and seek your face and show me what you want me to do. What are you blessing that you want me to be a part of. Instead of me doing my thing and using God like he's a, a, a genie. 
and we struggle why our agenda. Well, because you went to a seminar, watched a video, or read a book, and it gave you the 12 steps for successful victory, and you decided to walk it out, and then you, at the end, you decided to add Jesus to the equation. And it got quiet. Let me help you out if you're new to church. If you get quiet, I have to stay here. Because that means you're being convicted. If you just shout, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, go, preach, whatever, we can keep going and we can all go eat lunch. See, we're working together. I'm getting hungry like you're getting hungry, but you're holding me up here. Some of you are like doing a dance now. Get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here. My daughter just finished up her senior year playing volleyball, and one of the players she plays with, her, her dad, super great guy, uh, former Marine, and just very colorful, demonstrative. I, I just love him. And we're during the game, and his daughter made a mistake on the court, and you could hear him shout, get your life together. I went. I looked at him, and I gave him a high five. I said, anytime I hear good parenting, I just want to give you congratulations. I gave him a high five. It wasn't him. I was just high-fiving him. <laughs> He just laughed. I said, oh, can I use that? Get your life. I mean, he screamed it. God bless the Marines. Amen. Recognize. Respond. Say recognize. Respond. And receive. Samuel responded. He found direction. Elisha responded to the anointing being touched him by Elijah. He, he found ministry. Mary responded correctly to the angel. She received a miracle. The church, when they open the door, receive what Jesus and only Jesus can do. I'm thankful for plans. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you go home and throw, throw away your plans or don't plan at all. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't have goals. I'm saying, what if we took the attitude of, Lord, you're number one. You have a destiny assignment for me. At the end of the day, I want, it, it, some of us, we've been long, we've been uh, alive long enough that we've seen people hit great achievements, and then we see when the dust settles years later, and they're totally forgotten. Yep. Praise God for the NFL, but most of us can't tell you who won the last Super Bowl, or 10 Super Bowls ago, or you see these coaches and players, or these, or, I mean, there's on YouTube, you can go, where are they now? Do you know why most of you know that phrase, where are they now? Because most of us don't know the famous people where they are now. But there's something about doing it God's way and fulfilling the assignment of God. So we can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want the 40, I don't want the decade path. I want the path that takes days. I want the fast path. Amen. Come on. I want the fast. And to follow his path, we need to follow the ingredients of his word. Recognize. Make the word priority. Respond correctly. Lord, you're number one. Even if it's not comfortable. I did a message years ago, and I said, God's ways are the best ways, even when we don't understand. Because if you think it all makes sense when God tells you, you haven't gone far enough. There's times he'll ask you to do something like, Invite my coworker to church. Really? They're an atheist. Invite them to church. Pray with them. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But it works. And what I love to hear is stories of people, not just what God is doing through 
my ministry personally, but what God's do, doing through the members of Hope Church personally. We see people get healed. I talked to a guy who wasn't even saved. He was in the food line for a Monday seniors shopping at the gro free grocery store. And Freedom went up to pray with them. And the guy was on had all, uh, dialysis, or no, no, not, it was a heart thing. He had his third heart attack. He's on a pacemaker. He had some, some and Freedom just prayed with him. You need prayer. We got people that roam around looking for, you know what I mean? Do you need prayer? Josh, same way. And, and they'll go around and, and start talking to people. And, they'll, and he prayed with them. And the guy went back to the doctor for his, his normal checkup. And the, the doctor looked at the x-ray and the, all the tests and went, oh. And he said, when he's telling me, this, he goes, what did it happen? I thought, oh, no. Because when the doctor looks at your x-ray or report and goes, oh, Come on. That's not a good sign. And he goes, let me go get the other doctor. Oh, no. And he went and got the other doctor. And the other doctor came back and said, I, I introduced him, shook his hand. And he goes, you know, this can happen. We don't see it too often. He goes, what? He goes, your heart some way, somehow, some reason, your heart is actually reversing and healing itself. And we're going to take you off all this equipment. You won't need the equipment. We're changing your medication. God still heals. God still delivers. God still, we just have to be open and say, Lord, you ask me to do something, even if I don't know how, even if I don't know where, even if I don't know why. God, I'm just going to be obedient. God didn't say do it. He said, I'll do it, but you just have to open the door. You just have to remove the stone and I'll raise the dead. You can't raise no dead. You have no power to raise no dead. You can scream at the dead all you want. You're not raising no dead. But if you do what I tell you to do, open the door. Just move the stone. I'll do the raising. I'll do the healing. I'll do the restoration of your marriage. I'll do, I'll bring your children back. I'll bring the inheritance back into your hands. I'll get rid of the debt. I'll do the impossible. You can't do it. I can do it. For when God, all the Things are possible to him who believes because he is the God of impossibility. He can do all things. He's not asking you to make it happen. He's just asking, will you let him do it? Whew. Let's get on the fast path, can we? I want to see all your family saved. I've been praying for 20 years. Praise God for praying for 20 years. Let's see, 20 days, all of them get saved. I want to see them all get healed. I want, to see, I want to see people say, I don't know what's going on, but that person is different. You'll have people coming up to you and say, I don't know. Someone, I'm around you, I feel different. I says, what is that? You don't have to go into deep theological. Just say, that's Jesus. Would you like to meet him? He will change anybody's life that's willing. Would you bow your head and close your eyes in closing? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not asking you to try to be a better person. This is not try to be a better person club. This is not a denomination join. This is, this is a question in, in the way you process and the way you experience. Is Jesus Christ real to you today in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior? No one can answer that but you. If you don't know, you can know. 
Maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel, that God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, because the world was already condemned, but he sent him so that they could be free, they could be saved. He went to the cross for you. Maybe you've prayed that prayer and said, I used to serve God, but for whatever reason, I've allowed stuff to come between me and God, and my heart's not right. Or maybe you say, you know, I, I prayed a prayer, but I'm not for sure. If any of those three are you, today is your day. Today is your day. Your Heavenly Father loves you more than you can imagine. Jesus paid the price. You don't have to live with that guilt. You don't have to live with that sin. You don't have to live with that condemnation. You don't have to. He took it all for you. And all he asked you to do is to receive. You open the door and let him come in. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, I want you to follow in a simple prayer. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Shout amen. amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to speak a blessing over your life. I believe one of the things that happens is sometimes we'll start a path, and the Bible says we'll begin in the Spirit, and then we'll try to work it out at our own ability. You need God's ability to serve Him. You need God's ability to love the Word. You need God's ability to obey Him. You need God's ability to experience Him. You need God all the way through, and He, is, he wants to do that for you. But if you don't know, you don't know to ask. So Ephesians 3.16 says that we can be strengthened with might on the inside. What am I saying? I believe one of the things, the tactic of the enemy in this last generation, he's got us where we're trying to be so accommodating to everybody that we won't stand for anything. And I'm not saying God wants you to be a jerk, but some of us, if someone asks you to do something, you just say yes. Oh, they, every temptation, I just can't. Well, you need strength to stand up against the temptation. You need strength to stand up against the attack of the enemy. You need strength to serve God. And so at the at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I meant business with God, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Now, I know in the natural psychology of things, people don't like to stand up in front of people they don't know. But we need to cross that line. Because if we can't stand up for Jesus in a room of people that will celebrate it, how do we stand up for Jesus in a world that's going to try to laugh at it? And so we have to, God didn't call us to be weird. God didn't call us to be made fun of. But God called us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
Can I get an amen? And that comes from internal strength and standing up for the Lord. So if you prayed that prayer and meant business with God, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. Stand with strength. Some of you will be quick. Some of you hesitant. So the, the bold ones stand fast so the others can be encouraged. But at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet, and they're going to speak a blessing over you. One, two, three. Stand to your feet right now if you prayed that prayer. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, those two there, that person there. God bless you. Anybody else? Come on, keep clapping, church. Anybody else? This is a new day for you. This is a new day for you. Stay standing. Stay standing. Anybody else? A few more seconds. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Stay standing. Come on, a few more seconds. A few more seconds. There's somebody else here. I just know. How do you know? I just know. Thank you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Stay standing. I'll wait a few more seconds. There's one more person. Where are you? Where are you? There's somebody here. You're hesitant. You're, the devil's telling you, you don't need to stand. You already prayed the prayer. That's good enough. You don't need to do this. There's somebody else. This is important for you to stand. I'm not going to force you to stand. Then I'll move on after a few seconds. But the Holy Spirit's hold, holding this thing up for you. Who, who am I? Where are you? Thank you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Stretch your hands toward these people. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for their salvation. We thank you for what you've begun a good work in them. We bind the enemy that has held them back, uh, deterred them, or stumbled them in the past. I break every curse set against them, and I send those curses back to the origin that they were came from. Father, we speak freedom and peace. And Lord, according to Ephesians 3.16, strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner person. I thank you as they walk out of here, they'll begin to experience your boldness, your strength, and your peace in a way that they know that is beyond them. And we give you praise. Let them be the light that you called them to be. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Stay standing, stay standing. If, if you want, I, I, have, I don't think I've ever done this, but this, I want to pray for you if you, don't, if you want. I, wanna, I just spoke a blessing over you. But if you would, come down here. Usually we don't do that, but I, 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 would, I feel impressed to do that. Would you come just a few steps? Go ahead, stand right here. No, no, face me, face me. Perfect. You can, you can go over here. Come here. You're doing good. You can stand next to her. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Look what God is doing in the lives of people. We're going to make a straight line. There you go. Now, I don't know why, but maybe some of you, you just need a touch from heaven. Might be healing, might be peace, might be whatever. So I'm just going to ask you, you're saved, you're right with God, but this is going to be double bonus day for you. This is the fast path, amen? Some of you are like, how am I ever going to get up? Don't figure it out. Let God do, God can bring you out. He, you're like, I don't even see a light at the end of the tunnel. You don't have to see the light. You've got to keep your eye on his light. He will bring you out, amen? Amen? Amen. Lift your hands. I'm going to come pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. I w the Lord, just touch you right where you're at. Just lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. You're doing a work that we don't even understand. Bless her. In Jesus' name. Lord, anybody who's been hounding her, manipulating, controlling her, 
They've even, I sense the people even speaking down to you, saying that you can't get away from them. I break that curse. You said, that's right. That's right. I break that curse. And you know what? In the name of Jesus, I'm sending the light of God into that situation. And someone's going to get picked up by the police today. And you will not see them anymore. In the name of Jesus, I set you free. Is that right? That's more of a job. Someone's got to go. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Father, and bless them. In Jesus' name, bless them. Bless them. Lift your hands. Say, thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we, set, we thank you, Father. They are in alignment with your assignment. We thank you for your presence, your anointing. Free in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for their strength. Thank you in the name of Jesus. We set her free into all that you have. Come on, church. You can keep praying. In Jesus' name, healed. In Jesus' Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your gifts and calling upon her life right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we call it so. Not by mind, not by mind. In Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Call you blessed in Jesus' name. Call you blessed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Healing the life of that baby. In Jesus' name. That baby's going to sleep all night from now on. <laughs> In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus, we speak blessing, call you blessed. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Touch your Holy Spirit. Restore unto her all that the enemy has tried to steal. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you. Jesus' name, Father. Jesus, the healed. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now listen. This guy wearing a, looks like he's going to go play basketball or something, right? He's one of our care pastors after church. If you want, touch base with him. We're here for you. That'll be the connection. We don't chase people. We're, it, you know I mean, we want to be here for you. And so... Touch base with him. He'll be here or in the coffee house following the service. He's bright green. Can't miss him. And so uh, that, that'll be our way of connecting with you if you need anything. All right? We're here for you. We love you. Amen? We're so proud of you. God bless you. You can go back to your seat. Give him a big hand clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah.